0: We continue in our uh, morning devotionals, our 40 days of prayer, joining with the inqu- our, our whole denomination, the Christian Missionary Alliance, uh, to pray together, to to focus together. Uh, this week is uh, is a week of talking about our mission, reawakening our hearts to the mission of Jesus, and we start this week. Um, with Jesus' uh, calling of his disciples. <clears throat> in Luke chapter 5, beginning of verse 1, it says, "...once while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore." And he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water, and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long, but have caught nothing. Yet, if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And as they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Peter Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that had been taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching people. When they had brought him their boats when they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. <clears throat> now Mark, Mark records the story a little bit differently. He says, passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. So here's this, here's this key call of Jesus to his disciples. Follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. In a way, there's four parts to that call. So as we look at the first part of the call, it's the, it's the simple uh, command or imperative to follow and it's so important that we understand here that that if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, you're no longer the leader of your own life. Jesus is. Uh, here we see it said in different ways in the gospel. Sometimes he says, follow. Sometimes he says, come after me. But in verse 18, we see the result of Jesus' both invitation and command. It says, immediately they left their nets. So to follow Jesus, both in the Luke passage and in the Mark passage, to follow Jesus, something had to be left behind. Leaving something or someone else in order to follow. Um, now, in a way, in this traditional culture, this is rather shocking call that Jesus makes. Now, in in the Gospel of John, we see that this isn't the first time they've ever met Jesus. They've actually served with him. They've actually assisted him in some things, some of his ministry. But now they're being called, they're being summoned to leave behind their families, to leave behind their jobs, just to be with Jesus. This is a very radical call that Jesus puts upon their life. Tim Keller writes about this he says no no we know from reading the rest of the gospels that these men did fish again and they did continue to relate to their parents but what jesus is saying is still disruptive in traditional cultures you get your identity from your family and so when jesus says i want priority over your family that's drastic notice when he said follow me james and john leave their family That's a drastic call on their life. In our individualistic culture, on the other hand, saying goodbye to our parents isn't such a big deal. But for Jesus to say to any of us, I want priority over your career. I want priority over your marriage. I want priority over every area of your life. That's the drastic call of Jesus. Jesus is saying, when he says, follow me, he's saying, know me, love me, resemble me, serve me. And he says this must become the ultimate or the supreme passion of your life. Everything else comes second. This is, this is why the call of the disciples is there in the New Testament writings. It's because this, this wasn't this extraordinary call on these men. It's the ordinary call on ordinary men and women who will follow Jesus. There's a drastic, there's a radical call to leave behind in in these terms that Jesus becomes ultimate, that Jesus becomes the supreme passion. In Revelation 14, 4, Christians are actually defined as those who follow the Lamb of God wherever He goes. This is a definition of, of, of real Christians. You follow the Lamb wherever He goes. For Peter, for Andrew, for James, for John, as we see in this passage, following Jesus meant leaving their jobs, their families, and being with Jesus. Now, I mean, there are other times when Jesus doesn't call someone to as radically uh, 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 disruptive, I would say, change in their life as He did with them. In Mark 5, when he when He delivers the Gadarene Demoniac, the the formerly demonized person, wants to follow Jesus on the boat and go with him everywhere. And yet Jesus says to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. And the interesting thing about that story is Jesus comes back later and that's where he feeds the 4,000 is coming back later. This guy's testimony, this guy's witness of what Jesus had done for him brought thousands to come and listen and to, to actually fellowship with and, and follow Jesus. And so, in this case, we're seeing a physical following of Jesus by these disciples, Peter and Andrew, James and John. Now, how do you follow Jesus? Well, Jesus, in John 14, 23, and following, He begins to really help us to understand how to follow Him now as closely, maybe even as drastically, radically, as those early disciples. Jesus is speaking here in John 14 and following, starting to get His disciples prepared for His crucifixion and His resurrection and His ascension. Jesus answered and said, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. One of the ways you'll know a true follower of Jesus, then, is if they keep his word. And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but it's the Father's word who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, this is the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, and the Father will send in My name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. We have these two incredible gifts. We have these two incredible, in a sense, voices of Jesus to follow. The Word of God and the Spirit of God. And the two together operating your life Jesus said it was even better for you that he went to be with the Father because by his Spirit and through his Word, you have the constant access to the very presence of Christ. It's as if he is with you or it is as if you are with him just like the disciples were with him. Spiritually, he is present and his words are present and his words are illuminated His words are revealed, His words are understood as you submit to His Spirit and to His Word. Those who are of the Lamb follow the Lamb wherever He goes. Well, obviously it's not just a following, but Jesus says follow me. So your identity is not found in just having these kind of concepts of Christianity or or, or Christian, you know, theology or morality or proofs, but it's really very personal. It's a personal encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's personal knowledge and experience of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's an intensely personal call. It's a call to Christ, not to a mission alone. It's a call to Christ, not to uh, a morality. Um, I mean, what you believe obviously matters. If what you believe about Jesus is wrong, you're not following Jesus. But believing in Jesus is totally different from believing about Jesus. He he says in John 14 to his disciples, he says, Do you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? See, Jesus is explaining to them the complexity of, of the revelation of God, that God is a triune God, He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that believing in Him was to see and hear the Father. And so, he's he's asking them, do you believe what is right about God? Do you believe that I am God? Do you believe I am in the Father? Do you believe the Father is in me? So, certainly he's showing That believing about is important, but in order to truly follow Him, it's more about believing in Him, and then that changing everything about the way that you live. See, what you believe will always determine what you feel. And if what you feel is out of alignment with what you say you believe, then what you're saying you believe isn't really what you believe always fascinating to me that there are people who can really explain and talk about the sovereignty of God and talk about you know, the providence of God and all of these very lofty ideas of the personality and character of God and yet live with tremendous anxiety and anger and who have tremendous need for control over, them, over others and over situations. See, on the one hand, they believe about sovereignty. They believe about you know, providence and the, and God works all things together for good, but they don't believe in it. How do I know? Well, because if you really believe in it, anxiety is not going to be your issue. If you really believe in a sovereign, sovereign God, you don't need to control everybody and everything. So what happens is if what I believe is not manifesting in what I feel, then I got to go back and look, well, what do I really believe in? And Jesus is really clear. This is what he this is what the spirit is leading you into all of your life is to get to the capacity and the heart of following him radically, drastically, having a supreme passion in Jesus. I mean, it, it's it's sad to say, but it, but the scripture says Satan believes that Jesus is God. But Satan obviously does not bow to Jesus as God. There's a huge difference there. And then Jesus not only does he make this a really personal call, but it's an invitation to development. And I will make you become, he says. That's a powerful wording of the promise of Jesus to every disciple. You're not the primary agent or cause of the change in your life. Jesus is. Just as he, you're not the leader, you're also not the dynamic change agent of your life. Jesus is. Now, this is an interesting like cultural shift that takes place here. Because normally what would happen is students would pick their teachers. They would look around for a teacher that they could afford, that they thought was smart enough or had enough respect, and then they would, they would pick that teacher and that teacher would grill them or teach them on a certain uh, topic. So they would apprentice themselves to this, per, to this teacher, this respected teacher. But Jesus flipped this with the disciples and we get a glimpse of, uh, of one of the reasons why this is so significant. A commentator wrote this, it says it's that's not principally the the brothers, James and John or Andrew and Simon, it's not their detection of some special quality in Jesus that leads to their becoming his followers, as in the typical disciple teacher relationship. But it was Jesus' perception of them, his prophetic vision of what they will become under the impact of his presence. I will make you become. Oh man, if you could just, if you can get this, it, it can help you to take your independence and your resistance and to really become comfortable with the relationship that Jesus has with your future. You, you see, Jesus is our prophet, he's our priest, he's our king, he's our prophet, but he has a prophetic, a, a God sized vision of what you will become and he is providing through circumstances people resources situations whatever it is he is providing the means for you to get from where you are to his prophetic vision of what you will become what Jesus says here is follow me and I will make you become I did the calling I do the transforming I give you everything you need one of the, I mean, one of the meanings of shalom, and Jesus, remember, Jesus says, "My, my shalom, my peace, I give to you." One of the meanings of shalom is that it it is the provision of everything you need to become everything you can become. And so Jesus says, "My shalom, I give to you. You will become, and I will make you become." That person, I have a prophetic vision. So you, it's in a way, you don't have to say, well, what do I have to give to Jesus? No, Jesus is saying, well, you need to surrender to everything I have to give to you. And then finally, the final thing is he says, fishers of men, I will make you become fishers of men. So the development is never, it's never just for you. Remember the gathering demoniac gets delivered. He's in his right ma- mind for the first time. He can actually wear clothes. He's sitting, he's talking, conversing with Jesus. Everybody in that whole area knew this guy was was demonized. Jesus says, "No, don't come with me. Stay here." And he leads 4,000 people into an encounter with Jesus. I mean, Jesus isn't saying to you to go out and, you know, use a net and use worms to hook people or Catch people. That's really not the point. The real point here, and 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 there's a there's a whole thing about the sea and about lakes and water, and that they 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 their symbolism of lostness, of darkness, of chaos, of danger, of evil, of judgment. You think about how, like a demonic storm, came up to try to destroy the disciples when Jesus was in the boat. That's that's. The sea is, in a way, a picture of the world. And so Jesus is saying, follow me, come with me, and I'm going to transform you to become someone who lives for something beyond yourself in all this chaos and all this darkness. I will fill you with my spirit. I will empower you. I will guide you through the word and through the spirit. And as you are developing, you are to proclaim what I have done for you. You proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to this darkness, this lostness, to the hurting, to the hopeless, to those who are caught up in the sea. So you're helping people out of that darkness, out of that chaos, by my word and by my power. And I I can never get away from this, this one part of the story Where Jesus says to the disciples, put out into the deep water. I really think that when we really look at this, this is the call of Jesus on our life. Put out into the deep water. It's only as you put out into the deep water, you start to realize, I can't make myself become what I want to be. But Jesus' invitation is, if I will follow him, if I radically leave everything else behind and follow him, make him ultimate. Stop resisting the work of the Word and the Spirit in my life. I will become what He has a prophetic vision for me to come. And here's the interesting thing. In some ways, yes, you have to choose into Jesus, but just like this story, He chose you before you chose Him. He saw what you could become before you had any idea what you could become. And only He has the transforming power. I just invite you like He did today, not only come and follow Him and He'll make you a fisher of, fishers of men, but rather put out into the deep water. God bless you.